Welcome to RVR's Life After Camp podcast. Learn about the camp and retreat ministries of RVR at rivervalleyranch.com. Enjoy. How woo is the appropriate response. It's like, you can say anything. It's like, woo, and I like that. It's going to be a good time. Man, there's confetti on the floor. There's toilet paper. There, there might be a little bit more of that this week. It might get muddy. It might get rainy. I don't know. It's going to be awesome. But we're going to be meeting, meeting in this OTM every night at the same time, 645, for our services. And we're going to be talking about this theme that we come up with called Out of Control. Uh, you know, what comes to your mind when you think of the, the phrase out of control? You know, it could be the, the world or society or your home life, your church, uh, relationships, friends. Um, all this is, is important stuff. So to help us navigate through this theme and then challenge us, uh, we like to bring some speakers in. And there, there is a man standing behind me right now becoming one of my favorite men in the entire universe and maybe one of the biggest Star Wars fans I've ever seen in my life. Guys, can you give a big round of applause for Mr. Nate Garrett? Come on, Nate! He's here! Love having you here, man. Take it away. Wow, that was nice talking. That's the best introduction I've been given this week. It was amazing. So it looks like I'm speaking in a porta john up here. I see toilet paper like all over the place and like squishy stuff. I'm not sure what it is. I'm like, what is going on here? We went through a rest, I'm from North Carolina. We went through a rest area on the way here and all the toilet, I mean, not the toilets, but all of the bathrooms were closed. They had signs on them, and they just had rows of porta johns because they had had a plumbing issue. My wife was like, keep driving. All right, so we don't normally stand in this kind of stuff. So uh, I'm from North Carolina. I've been married almost 17 years. That's, yeah, that's how old I am. And my wife's back there in the back. Wave, Debbie. All right, so my kids, he said I was a big Star Wars fan. My kids are named Luke and Leia. They, that's legit, like seriously. Um, my son's here, where's Luke? Luke, it's actually, now this is cool. All right, so Luke's 13. He turned 13 today. I gave him the option of not coming to camp because they were telling me what weeks I could come speak because it was his birthday, and he was like, I love RVR, so here we are. Um, so he couldn't think of a better way to spend his birthday. And so we're actually here for two weeks. If you're anybody coming next week too? Yes. Yes, I expect you to memorize everything I have to. I'm just kidding, no. Anyway, so we're going we're gonna to have a blast this week. So we are talking about the theme out of control. And when I was thinking about out of control, I was thinking of what happened to me a few months ago. So I'm at my house. I work from home because I speak at camps and retreats and stuff, and I'm preparing messages and whatnot. I decide because I'm home alone and my wife uh, is out at a PT. It's PTF at our school instead of PTA. It's parent-teacher fellowship because it sounds friendlier. And then my kids are at school, and I'm at home, and I've got to go teach a class in just a little bit because I teach biblical worldview at my school. It's at a Christian school, obviously. It's a biblical worldview. Anyways, uh, and I decide to take a bath, and I know you're what you're thinking. How can he fit into a bathtub? I fold up like an accordion, y'all, okay? So, and we say y'all where I come from as well, in case you didn't pick up on that. And we call our pop soda, and it just get over it. Anyway, do you guys call it soda or pop here? Soda. Yes! My people. All right, we're in Minnesota. Minnesota has soda in the word this summer for a camp, and they called it pop every time. And we're like, that doesn't make sense. I was expecting the sodas to be quite a bit smaller in Minnesota. Anyways, but either way, it was pop there. So I, I decided to take a bath, and I put candles around the bath because I used to sell candles. Little fun fact about me. I sold candles for party light because they are 70% natural oils, 30%. She's taking a picture. Oh, you're videotaping. That's really awkward then. 
a 30% paraffin wax. They're just superior candles, and I sold candles a long time ago. I just like the scents of candles, and I know that doesn't sound manly. I don't care. So I had all the candles around and everything, and I'm just relaxing in the bathtub because I got to go teach high school in just a little bit, and I'm like, okay. just And it's not that they're bad kids or terrible kids to teach or anything. I just wanted a bath. Don't judge me. And there I am in the bathtub. I get, I get done with the bath. I'm leaving the bathroom. And I'm walking, I've probably been in there for a couple of hours. Anyways, um, I'm walking around the, the corner outside of my bedroom, and I hear water running. And I'm thinking, get out of there, marshmallow. Anyways, I'm thinking, I get distracted easy. It's a, I don't know if it's ADD or, or, or what. It's kind of getting creative at really bad times. That's what ADD is. And so here I am hearing water running, and I go over to the bathroom, the other bathroom, the guest bathroom, and it's like, okay, there's no water running. And then I go by the laundry room. And water is just pouring out. Now, I've got some pictures here. So I've got this little tube, not a tube, but this is an expansion tank uh, for a hot water heater. And in North Carolina, you have to have those above it so your hot water heater doesn't build up too much pressure and blow up. I don't know if you have them here or not. Maybe they don't care about you. But anyways, we put them above there, and it's got this bladder inside, and it's pressurized. Well, it springs a leak. I'm going to go up here and kind of point at it. It springs a leak up there. Anyways, it springs a leak up there. And water's just coming. It's like somebody standing there with a water hose, just standing in my laundry room being like, hey, you like this? And it's been going on for at least an hour and a half, just all over the place. And the sad thing is, the sad thing is I kind of knew there was a problem weeks before. See, in our last house, we had one of these bad boys too, and it was faced the other way. It was like going straight up and down with the pipe below it, and it slowly developed this tiny leak that would just like drip, and I put a little dish underneath it, and I would catch all the water, and, and then I would pour it out. Like at the end of the week, it was like half, half full, and I'd pour it out. And we even went on trips and stuff, and I'd just put a bigger dish there. And, and it took about six months before that was a steady drip, and I replaced that thing. So I saw the drip a couple weeks before the event, and I thought, I can handle this. It's a slow drip. It's even slower than the other drip. But some, like, it, it, at some point, this expansion tank was like, no, we're done. <laughs> like, all over the place. And there's water all over the floor. Now, this genius who put this thing in, it's not above my hot water heater. It's strapped to the wall over the side. So it's not going to go in. There's this pan under the hot water heater that catches water in case it leaks and takes it out of the house through a nice little pipe. It's spraying over top of that. Overspray from it has filled that pan. It's also filled the pan under our HVAC thing that's in there. I don't know what it's called, but whatever. It's in there. It's filled that pan. It's all over the floor, and it's running down the cracks in the floor. And I'm like, what is happening? So I go to turn off. You can't really see this here because I... I wasn't very good at taking the picture, but there's a little lever there in the very top corner. There's a lever where you can shut off the water. So I reach up and I shut off the water. Nothing happens because the lever's on the wrong side of the expansion tank. It only stops bringing water to the hot water heater, but it's still filling up with water and shooting out. I'm like, oh no, I have to turn off the water to my house, which is in the garage. So I run downstairs, and as I turn the corner, I see my dog laying there, who could have come warn me, but didn't. My dog's laying there, and I hear and see more water coming out of the ceiling below the laundry room, just pouring out of the lights, pouring out of, of the, uh, there's like a return for the 
you know, you have vents and the returns. Anyways, the returns where the air goes back in. It's pouring out of the return, and it's all over the floor. And I'm just like, what is happening here? Everything's out of control. I run into the garage, and I turn off that thing. But there's so much water in between the floors that it continues to pour out for a long time long time. I called my wife as I'm trying to clean stuff up, and I'm like, you got to get home. The house is flooding. Click. I didn't know this right away. She didn't tell me this for a long time. When she finally got home, she was ordering food. She called me back and was like, are you being serious? I'm like, I'm totally serious. Get home now. Click, because I needed help cleaning it up. She didn't believe me, because I kind of play jokes a lot, and she was eating out with friends and she had ordered the food, but it hadn't got there yet. She allowed the food to come to her table, ate all of the food, paid, tipped, and then left to come home to help me. So I just thought it was a lot of traffic or whatever. So anyway, she shows up, and she's helped me out. Now, right away, I see the, the, the beams. There's beams in your ceiling that the drywall's against. There's, like, beams running this way. I can see the water on the beams, like, soaking through it. I'm thinking, oh, no, all the ceiling's just going to collapse. And it's starting to run along these seams. And so I didn't want that to happen because everything that falls out, I've got to replace and I don't want to replace it and it's starting to spread and our downstairs is like there's like the living room and the dining room and the kitchen and it's all one big like L it's all one and it could spread to all of it I had just put down laminate floors because when we moved into this house the lady who lived there before us loved house plants any house plant people good anyways there's like three of you she had house plants everywhere and they left rings where all of them were on the carpet and stuff. So we pulled up all the carpet. I put down laminate floors. We just moved into this house, mind you, back in December. Like we officially closed the house and stuff. I put all of these new floors down, brand new floors. My floors are covered in water. There's at least an inch of water. And it's just rolling along trying to get to the rest of the room. And I am trying to keep it from doing that. I went to my garage I have a stack of random buckets, different shapes and stuff. I was emptying out, taking the garbage bags out and sitting them down, running through the house, grabbing trash cans and buckets and sitting them underneath each drip that I could find, but the drips were spreading. And so I went into my garage and I grabbed this exact putty knife and I grabbed this, this putty knife and, and I grabbed this hammer and I started tapping on all the seams, like in different areas, and just ripping little holes. And wherever I did that, the water would just start pouring down, and I would slide a bucket underneath there. And I was starting to control it just a little bit, but I, I'm like, what am I doing here? And it, it wouldn't go any further. We've got some pictures here. Now, this is, I didn't take any pictures until it was done. So I took my shop vac and, and actually got all the water up. I'm on the phone with the insurance company, and I'm like, you've got to send somebody to help me. I can't do this. And, and, and they're like, okay, okay, um, can you turn off that noise? I'm like, no, I can't turn off the noise. This shop vac is the only thing keeping water out of the other rooms. I'm just filling it up. The shop vac would fill up. I would take it, dump it out the back door, fill it up again over and over again. By the way, when I first grabbed the shop vac which was in the other room, which was in the garage as well. It had a bag in it for getting regular dust, non-wet dust. Took the bag out. When I pulled it out, the bag knocked all of our bikes over, and it just kind of, one of the bikes landed on the bag as I was sitting it down, and it just everywhere. We have a dog that's a mix between a lab and a great Pyrenees, which means that she sheds a smaller dog once a week. And that was all in my shop vac. And now there's like little dogs everywhere. 
and I couldn't do anything about it. I'm like, what? No, I can't even deal with this. I go back in the other room with my shop bag, and I'm just filling it up. These buckets would fill up, and I would go and dump them out the door, and then I would come back in and do this again and again. So by the time you see this, and I don't think these are high enough definition to tell what's going on, but you see this big, go back, go back. I will tell you when to go forward. I'm just kidding. Um, you see the, see the Rubbermaid tubs there and coolers and random stuff? All of those filled up at least once. All right, now you can go to the next one here. This light that we had just put in that I had found at a thrift store, really good deal, so I wasn't too disappointed. It was water was pouring out of that, and you can see some drippage right there on the little uh, glass globes. That It was just coming down off of that, just water, 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 water. I don't know what the next picture is, but don't show yet. I was messing with them. Anyway, so we called the remediation crew. You can keep that picture up. I'm just messing with you. That's where the little counter is in our kitchen, and they were putting these giant dehumidifiers in. I knew they had to come in and help me because when I got to the edge of the floor right by the fireplace, and I'm trying to suck the water out of it with my shop vac, and all the floor looks dry, and I thought I'd taken care of it. I get right to the edge where I pulled off some of the molding, some of the corn that goes around that wall, stuck this right at the edge, kept it about an inch above the floor, and water was still coming out from underneath the floor, just like I'm seeing it fly into the shop vac. And I'm like, oh no, the floor's ruined. It's all underneath the floor. I can't leave it there. I could have tried to leave it there and made it look like it was perfect. Be like, yeah, it looks great. Squish, squish. You know, it looks, looks awesome on the outside, but I knew that there was something at the core, at the very foundation that was messed up that needed to come out of there. So they bring in these giant dehumidifiers, and they, their job is to suck moisture out of the air. And they constantly have this little hose, this little clear hose that goes into my sink, and it's just... You get what it sounds like now? Anyways, there's two of them, so you need to help me. No one? Oh, somebody's doing it. I just couldn't hear you because I have a microphone. Anyways, so this is happening, and it's pulling out, and they've got these blowers, these fans that are blowing up at our ceiling and trying to keep a hold of all of this mess. And he's putting this dehumidifier. I'm like, I have a 55-gallon turtle tank with turtles in it over here. That's going to, like, suck all the water out of there. There's no door to the staircase. Like, it's going to suck water from up there. Can we just close this off? And they make it look like a meth house. Let's get another picture here. They start, they start putting it all around. I don't know what my neighbors thought when, like, the windows are open and stuff because we, we raised the blinds so that they wouldn't be all, like, getting crinkled and stuff because of dehumidifiers. We had a leak at our former house that went through into our closet, and we put a dehumidifier in there, and it was in there for a week. And it sucked so much moisture out of that that I kid you not, three different pairs of my shoes, because I didn't take the stuff out of the closet, over the next six months from that leak, I'm just walking around. One of them at church, another when we were just walking around the mall, the soul just let go. I don't mean like a little talking shoe that you have sometimes. I mean, I'm walking, and all of a sudden, I'm an inch shorter on one foot. And I look back, and there's just a soul. I don't know. I was like, how did I just lose my soul. That's what we're talking about this week. I'm just kidding. So there's my soul. It's like laying there on the ground, all because it sucked all the moisture out of it. So they put these big moisture suckers. You could walk in there and feel like you're in a desert. You're like, normal house in the plastic. <gasps> normal house. <gasps> Rattlesnake. You know what I mean? It really felt like a desert in there. Let's see if we have any more pictures here. Okay. Now this is what it looked like after we pulled everything out and put the new floor in. This time I knew how to do it. 
This time I knew how to do, like it took me so long to put in the floor the first time, but once I got down to it and started putting in this floor, I was flying putting this floor back in. Now here's the thing, for about a month and a half, we didn't get an insurance check. They were just holding us up. I mean, I don't know why. They love, they love getting checks from me. Every month, they're like, give us the insurance money in case something happens. I'm like, something happened. Oh, you wanted what? What's going on? Anyways, they didn't want to give me any money to fix my house. And it was taking so long that I started looking at the concrete floor and telling Debbie, you know what? This concrete floor can't be ruined by rain. This concrete floor, by rain, by flooding. Like it's going to rain in our house. It can't be ruined if it gets wet. It's concrete. It's fine. We could leave it like this. And she was like, no. No, no, no. It's going to be, we're going to fix it back. It's got to look like a house and not like, you know, the, the floor of the OTM. I mean, anyways, I'm just joking. That's exactly what it looked like. All right, Taco's like, yes, this floor. All right. And this is the very reason there's not laminate in here because they get flooding here at RVR. Yeah, they do. Anybody here last week? All right. Are you dry yet? Okay. So, so we fixed the floor and everything. Now, here's the thing. I could have just left it there. I could have said, that's exactly how it is. I'm going to leave it. At least I know where I'm at. But I knew what that foundation was for. It was to be built on with something better. It was to improve. It was to get to a better place than where it was. And when this was all finally said and done, the floor looks like it's supposed to, and people can come over, and we can, we can eat meals with people and have fun with people and stuff, because that's what we were, what the house was intended for in the first place, to meet my family's needs and meet the needs of anybody else who steps inside. That's what it exists for. And it seems like sometimes life gets so out of control like it was for me in that moment. You've got the scented candles. You've got the bliss of laying in the bathtub and the next moment, boom, there's water everywhere and you don't even know what to do. And your wife doesn't believe you. By the way, I kind of got her back. So I was telling some people about this event recently and last week, by the way. And she's like, what? You knew it was leaking in advance? And I forgot that I hadn't told her that. So anyways, now we're we're totally, we're totally on the same page now. We're going to make it all the way to our 17th anniversary in December and all that good stuff. But yes, I did know it was leaking in advance. But when you know that, now here's the thing. If, if you, with your life, you see everything is going fine, then you realize that it's out of control because there's things that we can't control in life, whether it's a sickness, whether it's your parents um, walking out on each other, whether it's your dad or your mom getting laid off, all these things, whether it's school shootings that are taking place, there's things that remind us on a regular basis that we're not in control, even though we want to be. We want to have control over everything that happens, and then these reminders keep coming in like a flooding ceiling saying, yeah, yeah, you can't stop it. And it's, 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 a, it's an infuriating thing, but it's also like a helpless feeling because you're like, you know what? I wish I could. If your dad says, you know what, I'm leaving, I'm not, I don't love your mom anymore, you wish you could be like, yes, you do. And he'd be like, you know I do. You know, yeah, We wish we could control that moment. Somebody says, you know what, I have cancer. And you're like, no, you don't. Okay, maybe I don't. You know? I mean, we wish we had control, but we don't have control of those situations. And those reminders that, that God wants to do something really cool in our life, that he's got an idea for you, that he's good at that, 
Sometimes, and maybe you've even made a decision, maybe even this summer you've already been here, made a decision to follow Jesus, and he puts that foundation in, and a lot of us will sit there and be like, and maybe you've been a Christian for years, I don't know. Maybe this is your first exposure to talking about Jesus. We're all in different places. You might be like, you know what? I've got the foundation of Jesus. I'm good from here on out. And he's like, yeah, actually, I've got a lot of cool things I want you to do and people I want you to reach. And I'd really like to lay a floor on that foundation that's kind of impressive because I think a lot of you. And that's what God wants to do with us, the one who actually is in control. We're going to talk about that this week as we get further into it. But I want to show you two examples from the Bible tonight, two examples of times where people were completely out of control, out of their element, and didn't know what to do. And the first one is found in the book of John, and we'll throw it up here too. It says, now a man named Lazarus was sick. Now, this is like Jesus' best friend when he's on the planet Earth. One of his best friends, he goes, every time he's in town, he's like, Lazarus, let's go out, let's have something to eat. He would hang out with him, all right? So he's sick. He was from Bethany, that's another town, the village of Mary and his sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, is the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. That might sound weird, that's a different story. Like, that's not a normal thing. Somebody comes in like, hey, I've got some perfume. Blue, blue, you know, pour it on somebody. But it was a really cool and special thing in that time because it was like anointing somebody and saying how much you thought about them. So the sister sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. Like, your best friend is sick. Can you come? And the reason they were telling him, like, if my friend's sick, one of my best friends I grew up with lives in Seattle. When he gets sick, his wife doesn't call me and be like, your friend is sick, Nate. I'll be like, Okay, <laughs> so he's sick. Have you called the doctor? You know, like, I'll pray for him. I know God can do something about it. I can't necessarily, like, but the reason they were talking to Jesus about it, because Jesus was known for going around and actually healing people. He didn't heal everybody. Sometimes he'd heal a blind person. He'd heal a deaf person, and there's more people, and he would actually walk away because he didn't want people to get the wrong idea that our only problem on this earth is sickness, our only problem is marriages that break up. Our only problem is people who talk bad about us are bullying. That's not our only problem. There's a deeper problem than that that Jesus came to die for. And that's the reason, and we'll talk about that tomorrow in depth, that's the reason that problem is the reason why this world's messed up in the first place and why it's perfect and why all of you have either been to a funeral already or will be going to a funeral sometime in your life. Definitely at the end of your life, you'll be at one. Let that sink in. In a box. Right, anyways, or, or a jar, or however you go. Anyways, so he hears about this. Verse 4, when he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it's for God's glory, so that God's Son may be glorified through it. That's him he's talking about. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. That's a weird line. Since Jesus loved him and has the power of healing. He stayed where he was for two more days. That doesn't make sense. If you love somebody and you know they're hurting, you run to them and help them. But Jesus had other plans. He had another reason for doing that. And then he said to his disciples, let's go back to Judea. But Rabbi, that's teacher, that's what it meant back, meant back then. They said, a short while ago, the Jews were trying to stone you and yet you're going back. They would, they would, one of their forms of capital punishment was throwing rocks at people until they died. 
all right? And they had gotten mad at him for claiming to be the son of God, and they tried to kill him. They're like, yeah, you really want to go back there? And Jesus said, are there not 12 hours of daylight? Anyone who walks in the daytime will not stumble, for they see by the world's light. If when a person walks at night that they stumble, if, excuse me, it is when a person walks at night that they stumble, for they have no light. After he had said this, he went on to tell them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm going to wake him up. Now, this isn't the case. Lazarus isn't sleeping, but in, with Jesus having power, it's only sleeping to Jesus. Because Jesus is going to do something really cool. Lazarus has actually died. And his friends don't know that. His friends who are there don't know it, but Jesus' friends around him don't know that. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he'll get better. Jesus had been speaking of his death, but the disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I'm glad I was not there so that you may believe. But let us go to him. Then Thomas, also known as Didymus, which means twin, said to the rest of the disciples, let's go also that we may die with him in case they happen to stone us again. Let's just go with Jesus. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been dead in the tomb for four days. They didn't embalm people back then. Have you ever, you know what embalming is? They take out all the blood. It's like, they, like you become a uh, what the formaldehyde Capri Sun, all right? So they, can, they fill you up with a completely different fluid, no straw attached. I know, death's a serious thing. Anyways, so they didn't do that back then. So what would happen is the body would start to decompose. And day four... That's a stinky day. So what they would do in first century Israel when somebody died, what's your name? I'm not going to use you as an example of someone who died. Annika? If, Annika, if I died and you were in my family, you would have to make sure I was buried within 24 hours, okay? Because there was no other way to keep me from stinking, all right? And you also got to straighten me out so I can fit in the box quick before rigor mortis sinks in and I get stuck in a floss or something like in some, anyways, you got to do something quick and you got to get me in the ground as fast as you can or in my tomb. So that's, that's what they're doing. But this is four days in when Jesus shows up. They've, they've waited a long time. And on his arrival, they found Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in their loss of their brother. You ever been to a funeral? When people come to comfort you, that means fried chicken. That means pound cake. As a pastor, I do weddings. I've done funerals. I, I, I prefer to go to weddings. I prefer to eat at funerals. The funeral food is way better. The old ladies in the church make the food, and it's pound cake and really good stuff. At the, at the weddings, the caterers give you the smallest thing possible and then sign their name with chocolate syrup really small. And they should write, like, sorry, we ran out of a good-sized dessert. I mean, like, it's hardly nothing. You're like, I, I ordered the steak. They're like, that is the steak. Where is it? It's under the lettuce, you know? So I prefer the food at funerals. And all these people would come, and they were giving them stuff to comfort them. And when Martha heard Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Here's what she says to him. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. She just, like, outright blames Jesus. Like, Jesus, you're late. It's too late for my brother. Like, what are you doing? 
but I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Now that's a weird statement. You don't hear at funerals very often. You're like, yeah, I'm so sorry about your uncle. And you're like, yeah, me too. You know, I just can't, I feel like I'm never going to see him again. Oh, he'll get up in a minute. Now you don't understand how death works. And Jesus says, he's going to rise again. And Martha answers, I know he'll rise again in the resurrection at the last day because they believe that one day that God would take the people who had faith in him and who had repented of their sin and he would take them to be with him. And she's like, yeah, yeah, I get that. That's going to happen. And then Jesus says, I'm the resurrection and the life. There's not, it's not an event. It's a person. I'm the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe you're the Messiah. That's the Savior or the Chosen One, the Son of God who's come into the world. And after she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher's here, she said, and he's asking for you. Then Mary heard this. She got up quickly and went to him. And Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who had been with Mary, you know, the ones bringing the chicken and all that stuff, in the house, comforting her, noticed how quickly she got up and went out. They followed her. She's like, hey, Mary, Martha, Jesus wants to talk to you out there. And she's like, like, they're like, "Uh, what's going on out there? And all of them go as well. And they were supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn there. Like, oh, Mary's, oh, she's so distraught. She's going to be like weeping at the tomb. Let's go comfort her. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was, she fell down at his feet and said, Lord, if you'd been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Jesus is like, I've heard that before in his mind. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? Come and see, Lord, they replied. And then the shortest verse in all of Scripture, John eleven thirty five, 35, Jesus wept. Even though he knew he had power over the situation, Jesus wasn't out of control this entire time. He, he hurt for the people who felt out of control. That's us. When we feel out of control, Jesus cares about that. He notices that. And he's upset about it. And the Jews said, see how much he loved him. They could tell by Jesus' crying, but Jesus was actually not crying about Lazarus. He was crying because the people were so upset because they felt so out of control that they had lost their friend. But some of them said, could he, (coughs) excuse me, right into the microphone too. Could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? There was some doubt there, like, really? He loved him, but he didn't show up. Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance, and he said, take away the stone. Now, I like the old King James, like the really old translation from 1611, for this verse alone. The next verse, they said, in this translation, in modern English, it says, but Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odor, for he has been there for four days. In the King James, it says, but Lord, it hath been four days, and he stinketh. <laughs> I, just, I just think that sounds better. It means the same thing, but I think it sounds better. Anyways, then Jesus said, did not I tell you that if you believe, you'll see the glory of God? So they took away the stone, and Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you've heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here so that they may believe that you sent me. When he said this, Jesus called out in a loud voice, 
Lazarus, come out. Now, he didn't yell, come out, because he's really powerful, and he's Jesus, and everybody would have got up from all the graves and be like, are you talking to me? You know, because he's that powerful. They said, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out. His hands and feet were wrapped with strips of linen and cloth around his face. Like they would wrap you really tight like a mummy almost. And they would put you in there and put a bunch of spices on you. And he's, he's not like, yay, Jesus. He's like, you know, like he's like coming out like nobody has freed him from his, his bindings. He's, he's awake, but he's not, he's not like totally free. So Jesus says to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. And he, I mean, like, you could got to imagine, that's going to be the best funeral you've ever been to. You've ever been to. You're like, it's so good, you even take your fried chicken back and take it home. You don't need this. Your brother's alive. Jesus does that. People felt out of control. We see in this passage the heart of Jesus for people out of control. We also see a lot of doubt from other people. Because when we feel out of control, we feel like nobody cares about us, including God. We're like, you know what, I don't know, God, you could have done something about this earlier, but now it's so out of control, maybe it's even out of your hands. So I want to show you one more that's super short, super short little story here where somebody is out of control, doesn't know how they're going to do this, but has such an awesome, vibrant faith in what Jesus can do that it blows Jesus away as well. This is found in Luke 7, starting in verse 1. When Jesus had finished saying all this to the people, he had just finished talking who were listening, he entered Capernaum. There a centurion, this is a Roman guy in the army, a centurion, a centurion's servant whom his master valued highly was sick and about to die. The centurion heard of Jesus and sent some elders of the Jews to him, asking him if he would come heal his servant. Then they came to Jesus and they pleaded earnestly with him and said, this man deserves to have you do this because he loves our nation and has built our synagogue. Like, this is a good guy. He helped us build a church. I mean, like, he's a really good guy. I know he's not one of us. He's not our people. He's a Roman. They technically took us over and they control our land. But he's a really good dude. You got to help him with this. So Jesus went with them. He was not far from the house when the centurion sent friends to say to him, Lord, don't even trouble yourself for I do not deserve to have you come under my roof. That is why I did not even consider myself worthy to come to you in person. But say the word and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man of, under authority with soldiers underneath me. I tell this one, go, and he goes. I tell this one, come, and he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. He realized that Jesus had an even higher authority than that. Verse 9 says, when Jesus heard this, he was, it was, he was amazed at him. Turning to the crowd following him, he said, I tell you, I've not found such great faith even in all of Israel. Then the men who had been sent returned to the house and found out that the servant was well. It blew Jesus away because this guy who was completely out of control, he didn't have to see Jesus walk into the room and lay hands on his servant and say, by God's grace, you're healed or anything like that. He just had to say the word, and he, so he sent these guys to him to be like, no, 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 you know what, Jesus, you can stop right there. We're not even worthy for you to come into our house. If you want our servant healed, all you have to do is say it. We, we get it. We totally get it. And Jesus says, yeah, this is the faith I've been looking for. In an out-of-control world, to realize that I want to do something beautiful in your life. 
I want to bring beauty out of the ashes. I want to make something great out of you. I don't want you to be content with a concrete floor. I want to build something awesome in you. And that same God who has the blueprints to your soul, the one who designed you, he wants to meet you here this week. Maybe you've never put your faith or trust in Jesus Christ. You, did not, you don't even understand what that, all that is. Um, I want to challenge you this week, even, even to the fact of daring you this week, to just be open to what God might say to you. You might not even believe God exists at this moment. But be open to if he's there, if he wants to speak to you, that you'd be open to that. That you wouldn't try to put up a wall and say, you know what, I'm going to play paintball. I'm going to camp in the woods. I'm going to ride on an awesome zip line, triple zip line. I might even do them three times. I'm going to do some cool stuff. I'm going to ride horses this week. I'm going to have a blast, but I'm not going to let this God stuff get to me. I've been doing RVR now for five years, summer camps. Last year, my wife and I were standing around first day, and there were kids arriving. And they didn't know who I was. They didn't know, not that I'm anybody important, but they didn't know I was going to be speaking. And so the parents were talking to some of the kids, and one of the parents were like, now remember what I told you. And they're like, I know, I'm not going to listen when they talk about the Bible. And I was thinking, ah, we've got to be open. Like the reason I sit and listen to my atheist friends and I listen to my friends who have other faiths and stuff is because I want to be open to truth, wherever truth happens to be. And I weighed that truth through my life And I've learned that God is the truth, that Jesus is the truth, the way, and the life, and nobody comes to God except through him. It doesn't make me closed off to listening to other people's perspectives. So I challenge you this week not to have that attitude, not to say, you know what, whatever, I'm going to do this Jesus stuff. I'm leaving that here at the camp, and I'm going to have as much fun as I can, and then I'm going to go back home. But there might be, there might be a chance that God just wants to have a chance encounter with you that would rock you in a way that you've never understood. I ended up making a decision. I was a school bully all through middle school and through my freshman year of high school before I went to a a camp much like this where everything changed for me, where God met me in a radical way, and I've never been the same. And I believe that can happen with you too. He's in that life-changing business. He loves us too much to leave us the way that he found us because he's got so many awesome plans for you. Let me pray for you guys. And uh, I'm just looking forward to what God wants to teach us this week. Lord, this life and this world can seem so out of control. Whether it's death or cancer or sickness or families falling apart, friends getting in fights, people stabbing us in the back, talking about us. God, the loneliness that gets so thick we could cut it with a knife. Lord, there's moments where we feel like nobody understands what I'm going through. There's a God who weeps for us, who cares about us, and that's you. You love us in the midst midst of our mess, and you came to this world to do something about it. Lord, I pray that students would be introduced to you this week, that they would know that they've got someone out there who deeply cares about what we're going through and who loves us more than anybody ever could. Lord, I thank you for these students. Give us an awesome week together. 
Lord, I pray that we would have a blast in everything we do, from our small group times to hanging out in the cabins to all the wild and crazy stuff that RV Heart has planned for us to experience this week, God. Lord, I pray that you wouldn't get lost in the shuffle, but that we would, we would meet an in-control God in an out-of-control world. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Live After Camp episode. Discover all of the year-round adventures at RVR and find out how you can support our ministry at rivervalleyranch.com. Thanks.